0: This is the Leading Second Podcast, where we're on a mission to raise up uncommon church builders and be the kind of leaders our pastors would kill to have on the team. Welcome to a special bonus episode of the Leading Second Podcast. My name is Brandon Stewart. And uh, it is the honor of a lifetime that my wife and I have to lead this incredible tribe of uncommon church builders. And, you know, as we headed into season two of The Leading Second Podcast, um, it was on our heart to bring to you uh, some messages from time to time that could just feed your soul. In other words, you know, we're all so busy uh, putting on church So often that I think sometimes we don't stop and go to church, you know, and take in the word often enough. And so I prayed today, this message will just let you stop, breathe, and hear a word from God today. Hear something out of the word as um, we unpack it. Today, I'm going to be sharing a message called the test of time. This was a message that I had the opportunity to bring at home church in Red Deer, Alberta, recently as a part of a series they were in. This book is actually based out of my pastor's, Pastor Kevin Gerald's book, The Proving Ground 2.0. So I believe this will help you. I believe this will speak life into you today. So here we go, The Test of Time. So we're in a series today called So Good. So good. This series is built off of a book that my pastor wrote called The Proving Ground. He wrote it back in the 90s, and I remember the first time he taught it. Out of all the things that have come out of our church over the years, I actually believe this one has impacted me the most. So I couldn't wait to share out of this today, and I pray this will give you some perspective um, for maybe something that you're experiencing. How many of you know life is accompanied by tests? And tests always precede promotion. My daughter is in second grade. And she loves second grade, but she can't wait to be in the third grade. She can't wait to be like an adult, actually, is what really is going on. But in order to get to third grade, you have to first pass the test of second grade. Second grade proves that you will have the ability to handle third grade. When I was in high school, I was in first year French, and I learned enough French to be dangerous, to actually act like I can speak French. We got to second year French, and the class was overcrowded. I was a good student, humble brag. I did very well in school. And so, the teacher picked a few of us to relieve the overcrowding. She took a few of us and decided that it would be a good idea for us to bypass second year French and put us in third year French. She figured they'll make it up. That I spent the entire year just trying to get good grades in school, not learning anything. How many of you know that's possible by the way? Okay, I shouldn't probably have said that for any student in the room. That, that I spent the whole year just keeping my head above water. I hadn't, they were talking in French. I'd been through one year. I had no clue what was going on. I wasn't ready for the grade I had been put in. I was never given the opportunity to pass the test. Life is accompanied by tests. Testing always precedes promotion. Wouldn't it be so much easier in life if life came with a warning sign that said you are experiencing a test? Anyone remember TV back in the 80s when that annoying screen and that annoying noise would come on the TV? Did they do that here in Canada? Where it said, this is a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. Wouldn't it be so much easier in life when adversity hits, when you just hear, man, this is only a test. Just hold on. It's is a little bit longer. The problem is we don't get those warnings. And then to further make you know, the situation worse, the teacher is often silent during the test. I mean, the teacher gives you the lesson. And the teacher teaches you what you're going to need for the test. Their entire job is to prep you for the test. But during the test, the teacher stands back and goes, let's see if you learned it. Right. Right. You know those times where God feels distant? Those times where you want to, where, where is God in this? Could it be, I'm just proposing this, could it be the teacher wants to see, are you ready for what's next? Or do we need to take another lap and get you Ready? to pass this test. This series is called So Good. I have to admit though, in every test I've been in in my life, my last response was so good. Man, this is so good. I'm I'm so glad I'm in this test right now. I'm so glad I'm experiencing this right now. That, that had to be about the farthest words from my mind. So good. Looking back now, I'm now 36 years in one church, 17 years in ministry. My pastor calls me an old man in a young man's body. Have a touch of experience now. Some of you have many more years than me. But now with the touch of experience, I look back and I see a few tests now for what they were. And now... I'm so thankful for the tests. Now, I look back and I say, that was so good. It hurt at the time, and it was trying at the time, but life came my way in tests, and tests got me ready for what God already had ready for me. So good. Today, I want to talk to you about the test of time. The test of time. Listen to what the... Writer says in James chapter 1 and verse 2, speaking of so good, he says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Our other text for this morning is Galatians 6 and 9 in the NIV. It says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, at the proper time, not when you want it, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest, what? If we do not give up. How many of you know time has a way of changing things? Doesn't it? Time has a way. When my daughter wants to reference a year that's like really old, like the olden days, she references 1985. (laughs) I'm like, this is terrible when I predate the date my daughter considers to be the olden days. But time is a way of changing things, doesn't it? I mean, today, 2018, my daughter can watch any movie at any time of day on any device she wants on demand. That's 2018. She has no idea that not too long ago, (laughs) in order for us to watch a movie, we had to huddle up in the living room as a family. And we had to decide what we were in the movie for because we had one VCR. And when we decided what movie we wanted to watch, we had to get in our vehicles and we had to drive to a movie rental store and we had to walk along the new releases and we had to pray there was still a copy there or go to multiple stores, by the way, if it was a good enough movie. Rent the, v- the VHS. Get back in our cars, drive home, put it in the VCR. You realize someone wasn't kind and they didn't rewind. And so you got to sit there and rewind the sucker only then to start the movies. And even then you got previews you can't fast forward through hardly. Do we remember those days? My, My daughter can, dad, can I have your phone? Anyone heard that? Dad, can I have your phone? Wants to play a game. She has no clue that there was a day when in order to get the Nintendo cartridges to work, we had to take them out and blow the dust off the inside of the cartridges. How did we all do the same thing without social media? We all did the same thing. (laughs) Time has a way of changing My daughter takes a picture instantly and instantly wants to see it, wants to turn it around. She has no idea that it used to take like a week to see an image back. And you didn't take 500 of one shot, you took one because you had 24 images on that film and you made every single one count because time has a way of changing things. (laughs) We live in a very now generation, don't we? We live in a generation that is wired toward instant gratification. Waiting and time are foreign concepts to us today. I mean, think about it. Every If I'm hungry and I don't wanna cook, I can open up an app called Uber Eats, and in 20 minutes I can have hot Thai food delivered to my house or to my office. Somebody else made it, somebody, picked it up, drove it over to me, thank God for 2018 when someone will do that for you. If I want to cook but I don't want a grocery shop, someone in 2018 will do your grocery shopping for you and they will deliver it straight to your home on Instacart because we live in a generation of instant gratification. If I want coffee and I'm running late and I don't have time to wait in line, I can get on Starbucks mobile order. And that coffee's waiting for me by the time I get there. I get to walk past the line like I own the joint. And all the suckers that haven't quite figured out Starbucks mobile order yet, there's an app for that instant gratification. If I want any item under the sun, just go to Amazon. Two days. a sucker's at your house. But they're inventing something new and rolling it out to cities. Because now two days is too long to wait for something you didn't shop for. And so now they're inventing something called Amazon Prime. Now in two hours, you can have any item under the sun. If you want to learn your heritage, you don't have to go over the river and through the woods to grandma's house anymore. You just go to Ancestry.com. It'll tell you everything you need to know. Instant gratification. If you want a relationship, There's an app for that now. No need to go meet someone somewhere. No need to join a small group. No need to go. (laughs) Some of you are deleting some apps right now as we talk. (laughs) I had to look some of these up because my marriage actually predates the internet practically. I had to look some of these up. You got Tinder. Right? Coffee meets bagel. These are real apps, by the way. Coffee meets bagel. Friends with benefits. <laughs> How about we? Bumble, happen, hinge, match, OK, Cupid, down. There's an app for that instant gratification. They say millennials are willing to pay up to 40% more for the same thing if they can get it quicker. I want it now want it now. We forget, life is not lived by the rules of convenience and instant gratification. Life is governed by the test of time. Here's what the test of time comes to do in our life. Write this down if you're taking notes. The test of time comes to prove your endurance, patience, and ongoing confidence in the various seasons of life. Endurance, patience, and ongoing confidence in the various seasons of life. Here's what I came to tell you this morning. The greatest miracles in your life, the life God has for you. Do you wanna know where it comes from? It comes from what I would call the middle, the middle. You see, there's always a gap between the promise of God and seeing the promise a reality. And the people that see the promises of God come to pass in their life are the people that successfully navigate the middle, the middle, when I feel God has spoken to me. I feel God has promised this for me. I'm doing all the right things. I'm serving God. I'm in the right place. And we find ourselves in the middle. And the people that see the promise of God are the people that successfully navigate the middle. I have a few thoughts for you on the middle today. My first thought on the middle is simply this. The middle is real. (laughs) The middle is real. The middle gets real. Maybe we should say it like that. (laughs) It's a very real place. It's the gap. I want you to go with me to a very normal Saturday morning in my world. On Saturday morning, I, as a minister that lives his life on the road, I'm doing what most people are not doing on a Saturday morning, I am going to work. My work on this day is going to involve a flight somewhere. And so at about 4 a.m. on a normal Saturday morning, I'm taking an Uber from my house to the airport to catch a 6 a.m. flight. Most of my Saturdays are spent on airplanes and most flights... Involve what every traveler dreads, that too. (laughs) It's called a layover, a layover. My daughter, when she was four, she had traveled with us so much that she figured out, she would ask us, Dad, is today one plane or two? When we would say two, she was like, oh, man. She figured out one plane's better because everyone wants to get there directly. Can't I just get the direct flight? Can't I just get there right away? But the airlines, in order to stay profitable, the airlines have developed these systems of hubs and spokes, in other words, We can't afford to get everyone directly where they want to go, when they want to do it. So you've got to follow a schedule. You've got to follow an itinerary. And that itinerary is going to mean we're going to send you through a hub airport. We're going to send you. You're going to have to spend a couple hours there. You're going to get on a second plane, but we will get you to your destination. The problem with a layover is you end up landing in a city you didn't intend on being in. You landed in a city that seemingly has nothing to do with the journey that I'm taking right now. Very commonly, my Saturday goes from Seattle to Atlanta, busiest airport in the world, one of the longest flights in the US direct, only usually to have to backtrack about half a nation and go back to the Midwest or Texas or somewhere. Like I didn't need to be here. When you get off the plane at the layover, all manner of chaos ensues during the transition, which leads me to my second point today, the middle is messy. When you get off the plane in the layover, you see thousands of people rushing toward their next plane. Stay out of someone's way who seems like they know what they're doing. You're going to see people checking monitors. Now you're going to see people walking with their head down, bumping into each other on apps, trying to figure out where in the world are we going. You're going to see people ticked off because of delayed flights, panicking because of missed flights. You're going to see hungry, starving, crabby kids, hungry, starving, crabby adults. because the middle is messy. This is the place where life doesn't make sense. Wow. This is the place where you feel stuck. How did I end up here? This has nothing to do with the destination I felt God planned for me. Wow. So this is the gap between the promise and the palace. This is, this is the place where endurance is needed. Can I stay confident in God in the middle? Do I have the patience to not treat God like an ATM or an app and receive instant gratification for his promise? Could it be? There's something God is doing in me right now that if I got to my destination too early, I wouldn't be ready for what he has for me there. And so maybe he's actually protecting me by holding me back, causing me to take a little bit longer route because if I got there, I'd mess it up. It'd be too premature. James chapter one says that you would be complete, not lacking anything. Like a lot's happening in the middle, but that doesn't mean we like The middle, the test of time comes to prove like, can I go the distance and can I be found faithful in the middle? Here's the thing I wanted to tell you today about layovers. I think maybe the most impacting thought to me is this. When you're in a layover city, there is nothing stopping you from leaving the airport. Like you can walk out anytime you want. There's nothing, stop- you're probably in a great city. You're probably in a beautiful city. You're probably in a place that'd be great to camp out or just, you know what, this is good enough. This is far enough. So much easier to not get on that second flight. Who's really looking forward to that? It'd be so much easier. There's nothing stopping you from leaving the airport. Here's the problem. That wasn't your destination. That wasn't what God had for you. It wasn't the place God intended for you. There was one time I was flying a couple years ago, I'll never forget it. During my flight to Atlanta on this day, sometime during the flight, Delta Airlines experienced a worldwide outage their entire computer system for the world, one of the largest airlines in the world, went down and they grounded every flight in the world. So I landed in Atlanta, the busiest airport in the world, with one of the largest airlines in the world, every flight in the world grounded. You talk about chaos, you talk about lines, you talk about frustration. So I just left the airport. I was like, they're just gonna have to figure this out because I'm not waiting in that line for a $20 meal voucher. Like, I'm not, get, I'm not th- four hours is not worth that. And so I just walked out of the airport, bat, no bags, you know, no nothing. Well, I, it, it was actually, it was, a, it was a fine night. Had a warm bed, you know, went and had a great dinner, rented my own car. My wife probably doesn't know it, did a little shopping. Hung out, it's a great city. It's an awesome city. But it had nothing to do with where I was supposed to be. I was completely off track. I was alone. I wasn't with the people I was traveling to go see. The itinerary wasn't finished yet. And here's the question I came to ask some of you today. Why did you leave the airport? I know you were passing the exit ramp, but why did you take it? I know when you're in the middle, the layover city can seem desirable, but I promise you it wasn't all God had for you. That had we just had some endurance, had we just had some patience, had we just been like wine and got better with time rather than milk and got bitter with time, like had we, had we just like stayed in the game long enough, you would have seen the promise. Why did you take the exit ramp? You see, the enemy is also in the middle. <laughs> and the enemy will do a few things to you in the middle. He will try to disorient you in the middle. He will try to confuse you in the middle. He will lie to you in the middle. He'll tell you this is far enough. To will tell you people in the church really didn't care for you. I mean, did they call when you left? He'll say things like that to you, not based in any form of reality. Because his mission is clear. His mission is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The enemy is not after your marriage. The enemy is not after your business. The enemy is not after your family. He's not after your children. He's not after your health. He's not after your finances. He's not after any of that. You want to know what he's after? He's after your soul. He's after your faith. He wants you to walk away from God's people and denounce Christ. Or at least live numb. At least live in neutral, because when you're neutral, you're of no threat to his kingdom. And he will take out and attack any one of those things in order to accomplish His goal. Jesus never promised that this life would be without tests. He never promised us an easy life. That's bad theology. He never promised us like a perfect life. You know what he promised? When the test comes, I'm going to be with you. You know what he says to us in his word? He says to us in his word, I'm the fourth in the flames. I'm right there. I held back the waters for you. I protected you when you didn't know I was protecting you. I'm walking with you every step of the way. I'm with you. I'm sustaining you. Which, this all leads me to my third point. The middle is messy, but there's a miracle in it. There's a miracle in it. Do you want to know what the miracle of the middle is? The miracle of the middle is that you learn to trust God. You come to know Jesus as the all-sufficient, ever-present, more-than-able God that he is. In other words, waiting is transforming. When you're waiting, what you have to trust—this will give you some endurance—what you have to trust is that when nothing's happening, something's happening. You have to trust God is working on me right now, like He's not done with me right now. There's obviously something He wants to accomplish, and so I'm going to anchor in. The middle is not where you change course. like. Buy the ticket, set the destination, approve the itinerary, purchase the airline ticket, and then follow the course. Don't change courses midstream. Some of you got in the middle and you got out into the open seas and you got disoriented and you got confused and you changed course. The middle is not the place to change course. The reason I'm, guess I'm saying it like this as if I'm honest with you, I've had moments in the middle where I was really tempted to change course. The whole reason Lindsay and I are doing what we're doing, it was a dream in our heart for like a decade, but it all came about because during the financial recession back in the late 2000s, my pastor came to me and said, I don't wanna lose you, but I can't pay you. And I essentially lost my job for not having done anything wrong. My ministry was thriving, but I, he just needed someone to walk, you know, take one for the team kind of thing. And God divinely used that season to catapult us into a lane that we've never felt more in our lane ever in ministry. But I can't say that when we were walking through it, I can't say that it was easy every day. I can't say there weren't moments where I was standing in the shower going, I just don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how God is going to come through right now, but it was just a layover. It wasn't the destination. About 18 months ago, I was in another one of those seasons. I actually wrote an email and called a couple people on our team and I effectively resigned from my role at our church. It would just be so much easier. I, I was experiencing resistance I hadn't expected. I was disoriented. I was confused. Little did I know, little did I know that within a year my wife and I would be taking a miracle step of faith and launching a new ministry. Little did I know I was just on the cusp of something that I that I would literally give my life to do. Little did I know that it was it was just around the corner. God just needed to prove some stuff in me, but I'll be honest, I I was about ready to leave the airport. I was about ready to take the exit ramp. I thank God for a pastor that called me and said, I do not accept your resignation. We are going to, because how many of you know, sometimes we need some people in God's house to fight for us and say, you're not going anywhere. You're not leaving, not on my watch. Come on, if someone has fallen off, sometimes a phone call to say, you know what, you're not going anywhere. Like, thank God for someone and people that did that for me. And I walked into my miracle. But when I look back, you know, the actual miracle I see is the miracle in the middle that stupid, messy middle. It preaches good now. really hard to live then. I hope today has given some of you some perspective for what you might be facing right now. The test of time comes to prove that you can do the right things consistently over time. In other words, the test of time will work on you. It will do surgery on you. It will bring you to a place of utter dependence God. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Receive this this morning. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance finish its work. Don't leave the airport. Don't take the exit ramp. Don't change course. Continue on the destination so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Come on, it's in the middle that we come to know God for the all-sufficient God that He is. It's in the middle where we see His goodness and His faithfulness. It's in the middle where we realize He is more than enough for me. He is my portion. He is my strength. He is my life. He is the Word. He's ever-present. He never left me. He's with me in the fire. He's with me in the flood. He's with me in the trial. He'll never leave me. He'll always walk with me. That's when we learn who our God is. It's in the messy, messy middle. In Jesus' name, would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Let me read Ecclesiastes three over you before we pray today. I love this verse. Ecclesiastes three and one says this, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He has set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Can I tell you how you pass the test? Do you wanna know what the end line is for the test of time? Here's your target. And may this target ever lead us and ever guide us. Do you wanna know what your target is? It's doing everything the Father sent you to do. Do not stop. Do not waver. Keep walking until you hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Don't stop walking, don't stop believing, don't lift up your eyes in faith. Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And until we reach that day, he said eternity in our hearts. May we be tireless, may we be diligent, to fulfill everything God has called and assigned us to do in Jesus name. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this message today. Um, I'd encourage you to plan to join us every Thursday morning for our ongoing episodes of the Leading Second podcast. If you don't already, that, that's our space where we feature interviews, Uh, from thought leaders and church leaders on really necessary and really vital conversations for all of us who lead in the second chair and want to be uncommon church builders. So I hope you'll plan to join us every Thursday. If you haven't yet hit that subscribe button, Uh, plan to make this a part of your world. It would be our honor to have a voice into your life as a church builder. So we love you leading second. Until next time, let's run strong for the kingdom and lead in an uncommon way together. For more information, check out leadingsecond.com or join us on the Leading Second Forum on Facebook.